0: Welcome, everyone. This is Bert Gerhard and Sirzana Hassin-Zafar at the Courage to Dream, Dare and Do podcast.
1: We'll get courageous here. We'll get honest and vulnerable. We'll explore uncertainty and the roles they play in our lives. We'll take a deep dive into authenticity, relationships, communication, compatibilities, and our dreams, big or small, the ordinary and the
0: extraordinary. We'll talk about daring doing, and what it really takes to create the you, the resilient you that is holistically aligned with your goals, values, and passions. And we dare you to follow and subscribe to our show.
1: In this episode, we introduce ourselves. We talk about challenges faced by non-partnered individuals who want to be in relationships. We talk about the importance of self-awareness, being honest with self, and then with others. We also candidly share our personal flaws how we make room for them, and how we recognize our compatibilities as they relate to life, relationships, and others.
0: Both of us are pretty nervous, so <laughs> we'll see how this goes.
1: Okay. Hi, everyone. My name
0: is Bert Terhardt, and welcome to our very first podcast. I'm here with my partner, Susanna, who will introduce herself shortly.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Some of you have uh, may have heard of me or may have come across me in different things in the last couple of years. In 2020, I sailed around the world by myself. And sadly, sadly, Yahoo News claimed me or decided that I was the safest person on the planet, which um, I wasn't because at the time I was at the bottom of the Indian Ocean being pounded mercilessly by one of the most extreme marine env- extreme environments in the world, let alone marine environments. So the sailing world actually exploded with uh, some comments about me being the most unsafe man in the world. But I left before COVID hit. And uh, of course, I was isolated. So they figured that was good enough to be safest man in the world. Um, That circumnavigation was a bit of a thing. I sailed around the world solo beneath the five great capes. So that's uh, Cape Horn, Cape Agulhas, Cape Lewin, Southeast Cape and South Cape and using only celestial navigation. So that made me only the ninth person in the world to do that made me the first North or South American to uh, complete such a feat. When did you leave? Well, I left October 27th in 2019, and I came back July 18th, 2020. So something like 267 days alone at sea, 29, just under 29,000 nautical miles. So it's a a bit of a thing, as they say. Not exactly easy. So for some context, about 6,000 people have been to the top of Everest about 600 people have been in space. 300 people have completed a solo nonstop circumnavigation. Nine people in the world have done it with a Sextant. So uh, Sextant is a traditional navigational tool used by just about everyone before the advent. of Well, actually used by everyone before the advent of GPS and Loran and everything else electronic. So it's uh, suffice it to say, it ain't easy. So I came back in uh, July in 2020. I didn't, wasn't necessarily looking for another challenge. I was looking to add something to my experience base and to the knowledge base and specifically cartography and map making in Canada and on the coasts of British Columbia, Alaska, the United States. So I decided I would paddle across Canada. So it sounds like ever so easy, right? <laughs> paddling across Canada. Well sure. thank
1: God you did because that's how we met. Yeah, that's how we
0: met. So paddling across Canada, um, that's uh, from coast to coast. So from Pacific Ocean to Atlantic Ocean. That is a very, very difficult thing to do. In fact, I'm uh there's only one other guy did it by the name. Of that guy is Mike Ranta, but he did it with a dog, his best friend. So Mike is an extraordinary character. So I have a bit of an issue saying I'm the first guy to finish it, but I'm the first guy to finish it, just solo without a best friend in tow. Let's let put it that way. Um, and I'm certainly the first, oh, the only person in the world to sailed solo around the world and then paddled the continent. So that got me elected to the College of Fellows with the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. I'm also the explorer-in-residence with the BC Historical Magazine. I'm the winner of the Barton Cup, which is one of the most prestigious um, amateur sailing. Well, it is, in my opinion anyway, the most prestigious sailing award you can get if you're an amateur. And uh, I've done a lot of other things, most of them uh, sort of not so, I guess, public as the circumnavigation and the and the continent continental crossing, but I've sailed all over this coast, up to the Bering Sea, up to the Lucian Islands, uh, Alaska, Haida Gwaii. I'm a bit of a sailor, uh, sailing geek, I guess, as it were, and not much of a paddler, but I ended <laughs> up, uh, thank God I decided to paddle across the country because that's how I met uh, Suzana So I think that's enough about me. What about, uh, what about you? Why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Well, before we get into that, I, I would love for you to mention how many kilometers did you paddle?
0: Um, I paddled about 6,600
1: kilometers. <laughs> and and how many kilometers did you portage?
0: Well, there's two kinds of portage. There's the dragging the canoe on the highway, down the highway with a cart portaging, and then there's the portaging that most people would know, which is carrying the canoe and all in your sorted, you know, um, bag of tricks, so packs and things like that. So over twelve hundred kilometers walking, pulling the canoe. And about, I think, about 200 kilometers or 250 kilometers actually portaging. So,
1: yeah. So, Bart and I met in Ottawa. Last question before I get into my own introduction, I suppose. Mm. How far is Vancouver to Ottawa? I mean, how many kilometers did you portage and paddle by the time you got there? Uh, By the time I got
0: to Ottawa, I think I had portaged, uh, pulling the canoe behind me, over a 1,000 kilometers.
1: And you paddled around.
0: I paddled around that time in the in the order of five thousand or fifty five hundred kilometers. So I had a long. I had had another. I had it from Ottawa. There's at least another thousand kilometers. I um I'm not exactly sure. I wasn't I wasn't measuring things in thousands of kilometers at the time. I was measuring things in sort of hundred yard increments. You know this this point that point.
1: So so you're almost three fourth done. Yeah, Bef- before you met me. Yeah, yeah, more than more than more than three, four. Then yeah, before you sure. met me. Yeah, great. <laughs> I don't know what to say. My introduction will probably fall uh, very short. Oh, no, that's not true. after that <laughs> that's- introduction by Bert. Alrighty. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Rosanna. I am a sales professional for a tech company. I did a double major in bio and chemistry from University of Toronto. I have a versatile of interests and traits, which I'm afraid prevented me so far to become a specialist anything at all. I guess in the near future, we have to change that. Some of my interests can range from human psychology to interpersonal skills to relationships, self-growth, abstract, art, (laughs) the environment, spirituality, creative writing, world religions. Uh, I finished my high school back in Bangladesh, actually, and I immigrated here with my parents at the age of 18. That is to say, English is not my first language. Um, And I must say that it has been an interesting ride uh, so far to assimilate with the Canadian culture, With attempts to maintain my roots and remembering the sacrifices that my parents made, um, I can have greater and bigger opportunities. So very grateful for that. Shout out, especially to my South Asian brothers and sisters. And as a South Asian myself, those who have immigrated here after their teens, I hear you and I see you. Turning over to Bert. First
0: thing I want to say, uh, that's being very modest
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: and humble because I... I think for anyone who stops and thinks about it, immigrating from another country when you're a teenager, English not being your first language, culture of course being wildly different on every front, is uh, is an incredible feat, and I defy anyone to say otherwise. So um, my hats off to you and anyone who's uh, been in your shoes, coming from a different country and coming to this country. Because my own parents were were immigrants, and I think my experience is a you know as the son of sort of a, a first-generation Canadian is so vastly different than your own because I had it so much easier so I have a small inkling of of what you might have faced so when you say you know this be, you've been very modest so the, for the people who are listening she's uh Suzanne is, <laughs> is very modest so shout out to you for for your accomplishments and I think that you know to be I, I don't I'm not just saying this I you know the things that I've done or the things that I've mentioned here sort of pale in comparison so okay so that's enough about you and I what do you think you want to talk about today
1: Well, I have a question for you. My question for you for this episode, um, I'm curious to know what you would say is one of the challenges that people face who are single and Mm. want to be in a relationship. I mean, it wasn't too far long ago that I was single myself. Mm -hmm. So curious to know what you have to say.
0: Okay, so let's, uh, let's back it up one step. Why do you think that I would have something interesting to say about that?
1: Do you want my honest answer? No, I'd like you to lie. <laughs> okay. My, my honest answer is because, I mean, Bert, let's face it, you're 64. I'm confident. Okay. You've had many life experiences. You've come this far. I'm mm-hmm. sure you have met a lot of people, have mm-hmm. had experiences of your own, mm-hmm. and I would love to know your perspective. Okay, that's fair enough. So, um,
0: firstly, you know, challenges facing single people, I think, are in some way they can parallel the, the challenges that I would have faced doing something like I've described in the introduction, in order to, I mean, if you are single and you're looking to be in a relationship, there are two things that you're going to run into, I think, head on. One is you need to be vulnerable, and secondly, you need to have some, you have, you need to have a great deal of courage in order to move forward, in order in order to move towards that uh, that goal. The goal being, you know, finding someone that you can, that you want to spend some real time with. Some quality time with some, some, and when I say quality time, I mean, time over a very long period of time or the rest of your life or the rest of your life. And you want to spend as much quality time or make that time with that person of the highest order and of the greatest quality you, you, you can possibly do. So that, that takes, firstly, you have to be vulnerable. And secondly, and I think perhaps more importantly, you have to be courageous. So is, does that, does that sound like context for you? Talk about this.
1: So what do you think is one of the challenges? Are you mm-hmm. saying that people are struggling to be vulnerable these days? Yes. People are struggling to be courageous these days Correct. or people may not even know what to do. So I, I I think you're right on all
0: those counts. So I think that in order for people to, um, firstly, firstly, they have to know something about themselves. They got to realize that they're going to have to step out of their comfort zone if they're going to be vulnerable and they're, they're going to be courageous. It's very easy to stay single if you choose to be being closed and I, well cowardly may not be the right word but I mean it's the opposite of courageous. So it's very easy to stay single if you choose to to never open up to anyone or you choose to never step out your front door with with anything other than a closed heart and a closed mind. If you are in fact looking for a relationship, the first thing you have to do is ask yourself if you are looking for a relationship and if you are then you have to find somewhere in your being you have to realize that in order to actually be open enough to recognize, or understand that there is opportunity for you you have to be open to that open to that opportunity and that realization which and that openness is just another word for vulnerability and then when you if in fact you come across that opportunity then you have to be courageous enough to embrace it and move forward with it there when i I say courageous I, i mean that courageous in every sense of the word you'll there will be some of yourself you'll have to abandon there'll be some of there'll be compromises you're going to have to make there's going to be sacrifices in your life i mean that that's what love is love is sacrifice so all those Mm -hmm. things are going to come into play and all those things um add up at the same time to a great deal of uncertainty and that Mm -hmm. uncertainty can lead to anxiety and that Mm -hmm. anxiety can close you off and turn you know can close your heart and then you'll turn around and head back home (laughs) no Figuratively speaking, with a close heart and a close mind.
1: So if somebody has, you know, come across, well, you know, to be very <laughs> frank, you're crappy people. Mm-hmm. Somebody has come across crappy people and I've had crappy experiences. How can you be sure that the next person or the next swiping right or the next whoever shows up? It's not going to treat you in a similarly crappy way down the line.
0: Well, you have no idea the the best answer i think or the best approach is to know yourself. You have to understand who you are, what you want, what your boundaries are. Mm-hmm. What is and, and of course boundaries are what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what are non-negotiable things, what are basically what drives you. If you have no idea what drives you, so what motivates you, what what excites you, what's your passion, you know what your passions are. Um, where you have room to grow, where you where you think your flaws lie, where you think your strengths lie. If you can't answer any of those questions in any real sense, then you're going to have real trouble finding someone because you will not recognize in that person the complementary aspects of yourself. Which is to say that you will not recognize in that person those those things, those attributes, those those divine qualities, that divine spark. Firstly, you can. Firstly, your being resonates with, and secondly, you can use to grow, not just in the relationship. So the relationship itself will have a different is a diff, is is an entity unto itself. But just, mm-hmm. but just think of you would want to grow as a person, as an individual, mm-hmm. become a better individual, a better version of yourself in partnership with your partner. I mean, that's what part of I them. Mean, that's what a partner is. And in if if you want to view. Uh, The relationship you have is a partnership. You don't want to grow and become a better version of yourself in isolation because that's not a relationship. And you would hope that your partner would see something complementary in you so that they too can grow and become a better version of themselves. And you can't do that if you don't know who you are, if you don't know at least in some way, shape or form who you are and what drives you.
1: That's amazing. I'm really glad you mentioned um, self-knowledge, which only... Reminds me again how important introspection is, mm-hmm. how important self-discovery is, mm-hmm. and that on its own requires courage and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. If you can't be honest with yourself, and if you can't be honest with, you know, your own your own needs, your own wants, your own mm-hmm. flaws, aspects of yourself that you feel you need to improve... Mm-hmm. Then it might be very difficult to communicate that to mm-hmm. your partner. Then, mm-hmm. if you're not willing to be understanding of the fact that you have a lot to work on, correct? You may not be compassionate to a potential partner who also may have a lot to work on. Let's mm-hmm. think about it. We all have something to work on in mm-hmm. ourselves, and we are all a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And you're right, if you don't know yourself, your own values, it will be difficult to find or to recognize a person with values that complements ours. With that said, you know, I'm probably going to put you on the spot Mm -hmm. and ask you something, ask you a question that's requiring courage for me to ask. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, or before we got into a relationship, you um, thought of the things, you know, that you found in me Mm -hmm. complementary to yours. Mm -hmm but I'm very sure enough. And it's interesting because I've never asked this question before. <laughs> um, it's that uh, The second part of the question is what I've never asked before is what are the flaws in me that you saw mm-hmm. and you felt, you know what, this is something I can put up with. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, there's uh, there's more than one question there. So there's, <laughs> there's two, two very tough questions. So I'm going to back this up one, one, one step. So what we've, sort of beat around the bush here in the very general terms is uh, communication. You need to understand how you communicate and if you're actually able to communicate. If you're unable to it's it's very difficult to in my opinion it's very difficult to articulate what's in your own head. If you're completely out of touch with how to do that then then you cannot possibly communicate um, firstly what's what's not just in what's not just in your head, but what's also in your heart. So there's mm-hmm. there's things that we're talking about here that have to do with the that have to do with communication, and 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 again, in more general terms, we all have something to work on. Every single one of us has not just one thing or two things, but there's a giant list of things to work on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, the the thing at the top of that list that will never change is your ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. So your ability to communicate is on top of the list, I think, and that that challenge in your life is never going to go away mostly because it's so difficult to articulate your own feelings, thoughts, and emotions because they're so fluid and we don't, we live in the now as trite as that might sound, but we live in the now. And of course my feelings and emotions right now are going to be different as the, in the future. I have no idea. So firstly, let me say that, and we got to be able to communicate. And the question was, you know, what's complementary and, uh, and what's, you know, what's flawed. And when you ask tough questions, quite often the, the, the answers themselves get lost in your ability to communicate those answers. So given that caveat, let me start with what's, you know, what I, you know, you asked me the things that I could put up with, you know, air quotes for those people mode on not watching, which you can't watch. So those are air quotes. Firstly, is patience. Suzanne is not very patient. <laughs> well, you told me to be truthful, right? Yes. She's not, but, and I can recognize that because I myself, I'm not patient. I have patience for some things and a lot of patience for some things and almost zero patience for others. So I understand what it's like to be impatient. That's something I recognize in myself. And it's it's something um, because I understand where where the genesis of that particular modality is, then it's something that I should, if I if I can, if, I, if it's in me and if I can live with it in myself, then it, it, I would be a hypocrite if I recognize it in someone else, couldn't put up with it in someone else. So Susanna so can be impatient. Sarzana can also have uh, wild ass mood swings as, as I can. So I recognize that in, in Sarzana because I recognize it in myself. I know that my, my mood swings have been, in some cases have been my undoing. In some cases I've been able to harness them to, you know, to accomplish things that may not, you know, may seem a little bit out of the ordinary. So recognize, recognizing mood swings in someone else isn't necessarily a detriment. It means that, you know that person is passionate. I wouldn't be with someone who's not passionate, and it means that sometimes those those energies can be just a little bit misdirected. If I choose to be with a passionate person, then I have to respect and accept both sides of the coins. So sometimes those passions are directed in in positive ways, and sometimes they can be mis- they can be directed in in uh, something other than positive. So I won't say negative, but I'll say sideways. And my ability to communicate reflects directly on keeping those emotions from, you know, going sideways. So I again, I have I recognize that in myself because I have a brutal temper. And anyone who really knows me knows that my temper is I come by it honestly from a uh an Italian grandfather mm-hmm. whose temper and a Dutch grandfather whose temper was legendary. <laughs> and uh I mean I've I've experienced that the I've experienced it a little bit and when I was younger there's a couple of stories of like and I was well. I was well deserving, but the, but the point is, I have you know I have a temper. So again, if I know that I have one, knowing myself, if I have one, I cannot look at someone else who has who has mood swings that are driven by by passion, which I admire deeply and greatly. Then um, you know I should should be able to withstand you know whatever whatever storms sweep my way. So those are two things, and and they're not they're not big things. So again, because I have these things in myself. I recognize those things in myself, then recognizing those things uh, in someone in another person, especially a partner might be a just reading out of my own autobiography and projecting. So I have to understand and realize that. And the other thing is, if again, if I'm reading out of my own autobiography, and those are things that are in my character, and they've been there for a long time, they're part of my being, and I've come to live with them or accept them or channel them, then I can't hold someone else. Uh, they can't be at fault for those things, same things that are in me. Okay, so what's, what's, those are the, those are the the negative things. I'm getting, if, I'm if getting, I I, I'm getting an evil eye here.
1: You're not getting, I'm an not evil sure what eye. that means. No, you're not. You're, okay. I'm processing everything that you just said because, like I said, it's a question I, I don't remember ever asking you before. If my mom is ever listening to this, she might be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I just want to mention that, you know, you mentioned that these two flaws, like they're not, that major things but i do want to mention that they 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 can become major and they can become catastrophic if it goes unchecked mm-hmm. if it goes you know if a person is not self aware enough mm-hmm. and i'm i'm having a moment where i'm almost i can be sensitive to criticism but i know for a fact that it's super important to be open to feedback if somebody wants to grow if if somebody wants to be In any relationship, it doesn't even have to be a romantic relationship. If somebody, you know, wants to become a professional go to work, if somebody wants to go to therapy or even in their relationship with their friends and family, it's highly important to be able to receive feedback. But I do have a question for you. I Mm -hmm. I know I can become a little impatient at times, but would you say that I'm patient in many other
0: cases? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, like me, you can be extremely patient and that's one of your most beautiful qualities is that you can be unbelievably patient with me, for example, when I'm being impatient or, you know, when when, when I'm when, when my mood swings are, are what they are. Mm-hmm. Like all things, there's two sides to every coin. So, right. so in, in my mind, again, you know, there's this there's this uh, balancing act that seems to go on naturally, I think, in in, in people and in that the. The, the, the person who loves, for example, let's just say, you know, it's a really sort of cheesy example. The person who loves the hardest. Mm. Well, would, you, would you choose to have the person who loves the hardest or would you choose to have the person who's flatlined?
1: Obviously the person who loves the hardest correct.
0: And then, then the opposite side of that coin would be the someone who
1: is very passionate and can go into extreme ends at yeah. times. Right.
0: So you gotta take the you gotta take the good uh,
1: with the bad the Good
0: with the bad. So yeah, of course it goes without I mean I should I should, you know, thank I, you
1: for I d I don't want to say the good with the bad. I want to say the good with the difficult. Sure. Yeah. I'd rather use the word difficult instead of yeah. bad because Can I can I stop you there for one second? Yeah. I think it's this
0: is one thing that you and I agree on. This is a bit of a tangent, is that we tried to use our words very carefully. Mm. Language is very precise. Mm-hmm. And sadly, I shouldn't say sadly, but everyone knows that most communication is nonverbal. So mm-hmm. if, if you're going to communicate something verbally, then it's, you're always best, I think, to choose your words wisely, which is why, you know, you'll hear us correct each other now and then say, oh, I'm not going to use this word. I'm going to use that word mm-hmm. because it's really, really important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It helps, you know, communicate. So,
1: yes. And I think um, I want to talk a little bit about patience and impatience. Uh, You mentioned that you can be very impatient, too, Mm -hmm. which is why you can empathize with me. And that's that's right. I definitely can be very impatient in many things. I think some people who say, you know, they're very impatient, like I'm so impatient. I'm sure somewhere in their life or in some aspect, in some relationship, at some phase in their life, they have showed immense patience. And everybody has almost like, you know, a limited resource of patience, mm-hmm. limited resource of, you know, mental energy uh, to expend at, cert- at a thing or emotional energy at a time. You know, some people who may have been extremely patient or who can be extremely patient in certain things might be a little impatient in others. Mm-hmm. And just like somebody's might seem vastly impatient, maybe we just haven't discovered it where... It can show immense, extraordinary patience, right? Mm-hmm. Just wanted to point that out about, you know, when you mentioned that you can be very impatient because I I I don't think I'll ever come across in my lifetime, or even if I had 10 lifetimes, somebody who had been out in the sea for 267 days all by himself, um, alone. And if if that doesn't require patience, I don't know what does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or paddling and portaging across the continent that takes immense patience so Mm. I guess reminding our own selves so we don't feel terribly bad about ourselves when somebody calls us impatient that you know what like that's the mental talk I was having with myself that yes I you're right I can become really impatient at maybe most things but there has been times in my life where I had shown extreme patience just Mm. as just like you have
0: yeah I I think that Part of I mean, again, this is a topic for another this is, this we could talk about this for a week. Yes. But you what what you're sort of hinting at, if I had to put if I had to paraphrase would be so you have to find you have to love yourself, you gotta forgive yourself, you have to care enough about yourself to not beat yourself literally or figuratively to death with the fact that A, you might be impatient. So, yeah, I might be impatient. or you might
1: be something else, some something anti or something right. Im or something, some value in you that, you know, you're not at the ideal percentage of Yeah. At.
0: Yeah. So so for me, I go, OK, I'm maybe I'm impatient. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I'm going to Mm -hmm. forgive myself for, you know, for for being impatient. And then I can work on that. I can can work work on that. Exactly. So, so recognizing a, when we talked about this at the very beginning, recognizing this, or you did actually recognizing that, you know, you have work to do.
1: You have work to do and 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 avoiding the absolute, avoiding that terms that, you know, hints at you as an absolute, oh, I'm an impatient person, deal with it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, take it or leave it.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's, uh, let's answer your,
1: your <laughs> first, question. first question. Okay.
0: The first question, you know, what, what, what is it that I see in you?
1: What are some qualities in you that sure. you mentioned earlier that you have to recognize yourself and your qualities and your values mm-hmm. so you can recognize it in somebody else, v- values in them that complements yours.
0: So this is actually a really deep question. And I think some of the people who might be listening to this might, might have some idea where this, where the conversation might be going, but so when people ask me, you know, what do I see in Susanna? One of the first things, one of the first thing I always say is that I see the best part of me reflected in her. So let's, let's just unpack that one thing. I see the best parts of me reflected in her. And what I, what I'm going to unpack here is that in order for you to be an effective human being, effective,
1: effective, th-
0: effective, that means that, you know, whatever you choose to do, whatever your goals are, whatever your ambitions are, mm-hmm. ambitions are that you can if you're an ineffectual person, you're going to make, you're going to have goals and dreams and aspirations, and you will never get there. You will never achieve them. So in order to be an effective human being, to actually realize your goals, to achieve your goals, realize your ambitions, then your whole being has to be aligned in some way and focused in some way at that goal or at that ambition or at that, whatever it is you, you choose to achieve. And in this case, we're talking about a relationship. So when I say my whole being, what I'm talking about is every aspect of my being. So that's my intellectual, my emotional, my spiritual, my physical. And deeper than that, there's a part of me that's that's feminine. And there's a part of me that's masculine. Mm. What I recognize in Sarzana, the best parts of me that I would hope to become as a man. And what I see as well is that part of me, which is feminine. So I see in Sarzana those things that are that draw me to the feminine energy, that the, the the feminine form, and that is something that, as a male, you have to come to grips with. You have to come to grips with the fact that there's this feminine aspect of you that's is in full contact with your with your being, and you can't isolate it from your being without some very detrimental effect on your life. Mm-hmm. In Sarzana, I. I see very clearly the feminine energy that that I would like that I imagine would be divine, so I see compassion I see caring for a very very deep need to care for people, caring for people even if they be strangers completes me in some in some way I see in Susanna the uh, this this ability to to listen and to hold to hold. You know, basically me at my stormiest, which is a feminine trait is to provide space when you need it most, which is an element of caring. So there's compassion, there's, there's empathy, there's, there's this ability to, you know, to hold some of the most powerful aspects of, of me, you know, drive, ambition, focus, all these things. So the feminine in me that I would, that, that, that drives me that fuels me that compliments me that enables me i see in sorzana and that is that is one of the most beautiful things i've ever come across to be frank so when i say i see the best parts of me reflected in her i see the best parts of my feminine energy reflected in sorzana as a as a female as a pure bit of feminine energy as a, as a divinely created woman. And like I had alluded to, there's something completely mystical and divine and magical about recognizing that in another human being. It's not something you can um, manufacture. It's not something that you can scrape up. It's a work in progress. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, it's a process. Of course, we, we're, we're, it's all a work in progress. So I'm only, I'm only talking about the now right so but when you say work in progress to me' I'm, a, I'm automatically thinking of in broader terms so broader terms then would be a relationship do I see the relationship moving forward so that in, in the sense that we're going to grow together so mm-hmm. I would want the compassionate part of me to become to become more compassionate I would mm-hmm. want the empathetic part of me to become more empathetic I would mm-hmm. want the part of me that communicates to be a better communicator the best way that I can see that happening is is in partnership mm-hmm. with someone who's on Not just the same page, but on the same wavelength.
1: And someone, the way I see it, who can actually keep you in check. Who can actually. Who can can reflect back to you, can hold a mirror to you.
0: Yeah, who can hold a mirror
1: without collapsing under the weight of the reflection. And how did you come to not only acknowledge the feminine in you, but to embrace the feminine in you? Because I think like a lot of men disays and, you know, males disays struggle with that. A lot of women these days struggle with that. Not just a lot of women, just I think society these days looks at a lot of feminine qualities as weak because the way I see it is when men are able to acknowledge and embrace and honor the feminine in them, they are able to hold and honor the feminine in their partners.
0: Sure, you can't you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. So if I can't respect the the feminine in me and I can't hold that and I can't acknowledge that that's a vital a vital part of my being, and and an and an integral part of my being, and a necessary part of my being, then I can never, I will never, by definition, be able to a recognize it in someone else and be respect it in someone else. I mean, if you ask me how did I come to that realization, I think if you look at the divine mask, then again. A concept we could talk about for a very long time, but let's just say the masculine in
1: me. I do want to let our listeners know that we will get into yeah. these concepts that Bert is mentioning. Okay. So let's, so let's, let's, if, if we say it simply, how Okay, let's it? let's
0: say it simply. If I look at the that the masculine in me, like the, the masculine energy with me, you know, yes. what, what is a man supposed to do? Well, a man is supposed to put his head down and walk through walls. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> the man is supposed to put his head down and, you know, sail into the teeth of the storm and come back with a fish. Mm-hmm. Right. So, When you realize that you're not in control, something else is in control. And no matter how hard you smash into the brick wall, you against the brick wall is always going to be the brick wall winning. So me against the giant storm in the Southern Ocean is the giant storm winning every single time. So my father would say that I didn't, well, I would say I didn't sail around the world. I snuck around the world before Mother Nature actually caught on that I was doing it. Because when she could, if she had, she got wind to what I was doing, she would have put an end to it, you know? (laughs) <laughs> she would have you know, put an end to my, you know, pride and hubris and arrogance, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I conquered the seven seas. It's like, actually, uh, no, Mother Nature didn't notice I was out there. So when you realize that you're not in control of just about everything, then that then the, the masculine energy in you dissipates and leaves. What does that leave? If the masculine energy for you is gone, are you now a shell of yourself or are you a more powerful being, an entity? Because there's these two things going on with you all the time. So realizing that you're not always in control. In fact, that you are mostly out of control. And the only thing that you can control, I shouldn't say out of control, that control is beyond your grasp and reach by definition. Then what you begin to draw on for strength is that feminine part of you. And if you choose never to draw on that strength, then the chances of you realizing whatever it is you're trying to point your being at is zero. I'll tell you flat out. It ain't going to work for you. And that's the voice of experience because I failed that I have a lot more things than I've actually managed. So Wait. how did I come to recognize that the female part of me was important and then to, and to respect and honor it in someone else by getting into those situations where you understand that the masculine energy that's with you is by far and away, not everything mm-hmm. that you need. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, the masculine energy by itself is only going to lead you to lower your head and smash it into the brick wall. And the brick wall will win every single time.
1: We can talk for hours on that. I do look forward to doing an episode with you on on that very one. And also, I'd love to, you know, also talk about my masculine energy. Mm -hmm. Because interestingly, I think I've lived the last 27 and a half years of my life, not only being predominantly in my masculine energy, but being... Completely unaware of it, mm-hmm. not being even not even being aware that I am in my masculine, and I think a lot of people, I can say, a lot of women go through life for whatever reason, um, you know, pushed to their masculine and staying in that because of familial circumstances or whatever it might be. So, love to talk about that, but I guess the takeaway that I have from what you just said,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not just for for males but also for females, to kind of come to realize. The importance of the balance of the energies, the masculine mm-hmm. and the feminine, especially for males and females to recognize that, because yeah. once you do that, you're able to recognize that in your partner mm-hmm. and go from there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that again, you know, why, what is it you need if you're, or what what should you be looking for, or what path should you be on if you're looking for a relationship? You're single. It's, firstly, you have to recognize that there is this feminine aspect of you. That you need to honor,
1: and, and for women to understand, there is a masculine part of them that, that they need to honor.
0: Correct, because if you go into a relationship seeking just one or the other, yeah, then it's pretty much do- well, I won't say doomed because that sounds you know a little bit hyper. And that sounds like it just becomes
1: probably more difficult because again, you're not going with a level of awareness that you can develop. About sure. yourself and your partner,
0: right? Because there, there, there will be times in the, in the relationship where the man will need to be cared for, and if he's unwilling to accept care, you know, then the, his partner is going to wonder why he's there. Mm-hmm. And there'll be times when my partner will want me to be a man, and if I'm, you know, pick up that mantle and run with it, then you're going to wondering, you know, why should I be with this guy? Right. And there's a great story about David Thompson and his,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> about that. Susanna, you know, she's struggling because she knows exactly what that story is going to be. It's, uh,
1: I want to finish this episode off by asking you, so would you say one of the challenges that people face who are single but want to be in a relationship? And obviously for even people who are in relationships, I think, would you say that one of the challenges is lack of self-awareness?
0: Of course, I think, yeah, yeah. You, you, you've used, summed it up because we talked about that at the very beginning. You have to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked a little bit about, you know, knowing, you know, these divine aspects in your character, whether it's emotional or spiritual or intellectual. But of course, more, a little more deeply, the the, the feminine and the, and the masculine in you. And if, um, yeah, if you, you got to, you got to know something about yourself before you can really appreciate what you have in a
1: relationship. I, I like that. You got to, you got to know yourself pretty well before you can. Know someone else and get to know someone else and also know what you have mm-hmm. with that person or what you can potentially have or not have sure. with that person.
0: Sure. I think that, you know, there's, we've talked a lot about, you know, taking things for granted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you can't appreciate, you know, what you have and and, and what, what's literally what what you have in front of you at that moment, at that now, then I think by definition, you're going to take it for granted because if you don't value it, then what is it to you? mm mm-hmm. Wow. A lot of food for thought. Food for thought. That's the whole point. Food (laughs) Food for the next episode. Thank you everyone for tuning in. This is Bert Terhardt and Susanna Zaffer at the Courage to Dream, Dare and Do podcast. Follow and subscribe to our show and stay tuned for upcoming interesting conversations. You can also follow us at our Instagram at bert.terhardt.
1: And also at Courage to Dream, Dare,
0: Do.